0: Hello again, and welcome to Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and once upon a time, there was a global pandemic which presented me with the opportunity to move my podcasting station from my lovely downtown office with a view to my nine year old daughter's closet. And now I am presented with another opportunity to move my podcast station into my bathtub because my daughter has decided that she's going to be a YouTube star and is currently filming videos about dog harnesses. Meanwhile, my five-year-old is going door to door conducting surveys about what people like and charting her results. They come by it honest, right? (laughs) So the good news is my bathtub has a lovely view of my backyard. So while it's not exactly my downtown office, it may actually prove to be an improvement over my previous closet abode. (laughs) That, however, is not the story I'm going to focus on today. It may be the reason for a weird echo, if you hear it, that I shall pre-apologize for. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of what we can learn about websites from a recipe blogger. You see, the other day, one of my web developers, Tyler, was complaining about recipe bloggers. Because he says there's nothing more annoying than clicking on a recipe and being greeted by a wall of text. He feels like the author is just talking to hear themselves talk. And all the stuff that we want is hidden at the bottom of the page under a wall of stories and kitschy photos of the dish. And then I got to thinking about it and realized actually as annoying as it is, they're quite good at what they do. And we can probably all learn a thing or two from a recipe blogger. Now, before I get to the heart of this story, I want to quickly remind you that you can get the show notes for this episode, as well as a link to a nicely formatted blog post and links to any resources I mention at podcast.maycreate.com. And while you're there, you can check out our resources section with free downloadable goodies to help you along your way to market your business with purpose. All right, back to business.
1: If you're a natural born marketer, you're one lucky son of a gun. If you're like most people, marketing, especially online marketing, is about as appealing as standing in a police lineup. The May Create team of creatives has transformed websites and digital marketing from craptastic to fantastic since 2005. Our podcast, Marketing with Purpose, makes sense of marketing so you can make purposeful decisions instead of carrying on with the same old crap you've been doing. And now your host, Monica Pitts, founder of MayCreate, with another episode on how to make your marketing not suck.
0: Here's the story. Really, we can all learn a thing or two about websites from a recipe blogger. But at first, as a visitor, you probably feel like they don't care about you at all. Because you want to check out the ingredients. Like, do they sound good together? Do you have them on hand? I mean, how long is it going to take to make this darn recipe? And you're there to make a decision. You're going to gauge if you want to even bother with the dish or if you just want to move on to another option. Now, why do they do that? I mean, it's so annoying. And as annoying as it is, their tactics work. And there's a reason that you found that recipe, a reason that you clicked on it and ended up wading through that annoying pool of text. So let's dissect the art of a cooking blog and apply it to our own sites. And maybe the next time, you end up on a recipe blog, you can just give them a nod for a job well done and then scroll to the bottom of the page to find what you want. Because they know these tricks. Longish form, longish, that's like a really technical word. Longish form, keyword rich content ranks. They know great photos sell. They know accurate yet enticing titles and descriptions get links. They understand that proper markup gives you priority Consistent formatting appeals to viewers, and last but not least, people will scroll, even if they hate it. So let's dig into their basket of tricks and see how we can use them ourselves. So first, longish form keyword-rich content ranks. You started by searching for the name of the recipe you wanted, and then you clicked on a link that contained the name of the recipe. This is the beginning of keyword-rich content. Then comes the obnoxious wall of fiddle-faddle at the beginning of that blog post. Because recipe bloggers know they need somewhere between 750 and 2,000 words to get Google to quickly pick up and display their posts. If all they did was post a bulleted list of ingredients and abbreviated list of instructions, you wouldn't find their recipe in your search results. Because Google needs to be able to scan through a page and see evidence that correlates it back to what you're searching for. It wants to absolutely know it's delivering the best results for the key term you searched for, and long-form content is the quickest way for Google to make that connection. They talk about how to cook it and different things you can substitute in and out for ingredients. They talk about every ingredient that's inside of it and where you can buy it. They do that because when you search for the recipe name plus the ingredient you want to put in it, their blog post will be more likely to show up on Google For that particular search. The next thing that these guys know is that great photos sell. And this is true everywhere, whether it's a pair of shoes, a parking lot, or a recipe. People make buying decisions visually as much as they do emotionally. You want the thing that looks the best. All those pictures of hot, yummy cookies broken open with chocolate dripping down the side like, is your mouth watering? They make you want to eat that cookie. So you click on the recipe. And do you know what else great photos will sell? Your service. I mean, think about your service the way bloggers think about a recipe. They know you need to see certain things to want to make that recipe. You want to see the cookie dough and the inside of the cookies and the cookies stacked next to a glass of milk. That's what sells this recipe. So what sells your service or product? I mean, it could be great quality for the price or the people that are making it happen. So show people the awesome professionals you have working for you, doing their jobs and photos of your completed projects. Or maybe it's the process you take people through to reduce stress and time wasted by decision makers because they choose to work with a professional who knows how to do stuff right the first time. So show people a timeline of a project from start to finish with photos of each step along the way. And tell them what to expect from each one of your steps. You can tell your story with great photos too. Recipe bloggers know that accurate yet enticing titles and descriptions get clicks. You clicked on the recipe because you thought it was what you wanted. But how did you know? Because they gave you an accurate title and description. But you probably clicked because of more than just that accuracy alone. See, the title appealed to you. It probably said something like best ever or super tasty or easy or quick. (laughs) Now, the title and description are more than just components of your web page. They are ad copy. They're a headline and supporting clause. And you chose the link you clicked on because your current decision-making factors included The things listed in that title. It could have been taste or time or ingredients, cooking level, any of those things. The title allowed you to quickly evaluate if that was the right recipe for you. So now tell me, how different are your buyers? They too are faced with a wall of search results, just like you were faced with when you searched for that recipe. So, what are the things that make them click on the link? Think back to your competitive advantages, think back to your audience's decision making factors. Talk about those things in your page titles and descriptions. But here's the reality, though. Just because you craft an amazing title and description, that doesn't necessarily mean that Google will actually use them because Google takes them as a suggestion. I did that in air quotes, suggestion. If your title and description don't match the content you have on the page, then Google will certainly not use them at all because they don't match. Um, But one thing's for sure. It's better to give Google something to start with than forcing it to just default to making stuff up on its own. Sometimes Google's titles and descriptions are super accurate. And other times it's pulling weird stuff from the footer of your website and just like shoving it up into the description. And that is not what you want because that is not ad copy. That is gobbledygook. Sometimes even the search robot gets confused. So throw your hat in the ring at least. I mean, you can't win if you don't play. Recipe bloggers also know that proper markup gives you priority. Now, this is going to feel technical, but for many types of web content, Google prefers a particular markup to help better identify it. For example, there's a specific markup for recipes to tell Google that they are recipes. You may have content on your website that you could better identify for Google. It might be your contact information or job postings or blog posts. Ultimately, when you give Google these little tips about your content using a thing called schema markup, it can identify the content type faster, and it'll be more likely to list it with priority, similar to that recipe that you clicked on with the picture above it when you could have scrolled down to the recipes listed below it with no pictures at all. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that you have to have schema markup to gain the favor of Google, I'm saying that it helps, and, I mean, really, we need every edge we can get in this cookie cookie world out there. Recipe bloggers know that consistent formatting appeals to viewers. You know what all recipe blogs have in common? I mean, other than the obnoxious wall of text at the top? That's right. It has a recipe at the bottom of the page. <laughs> and almost all. All of the posts highlight the recipe on a different color background, or they put it in a box, and they add a clear title above it. First, they put the ingredients, and then below it are the instructions. All of the recipe blogs are formatted the same. And that's how you know to scroll to the bottom of the page to get what you want, even when you've never been there before. You know that's where the recipe is going to be. And you know when to stop scrolling because you're given a visual indicator of when the recipe starts. They all use this methodology. And you might think it's creepy. I might think it's awesome. And you can do this on your website too. For example, you already do it by leaving your navigation in the same spot all the time. And you probably have it at the top or on the side of your site where people know to look for it. Now your services pages can be formatted similarly, and blog posts should all look the same, All your content should share similar formatting tactics, same colors, same fonts, even the same image sizes at times. If you don't know how you want to format your content, then look at how other people do it. For example, if you're going to post job listings, format them like the biggest job sites out there. Look at LinkedIn and Indeed. How are they posting their job listings? What content do they share and how is it formatted? That's what job seekers are used to looking at when they're searching for a job. So you can give it to them in the same format that they're used to seeing it in, just like the recipe bloggers do for you. And mirroring a layout that visitors already know keeps them feeling in control and comfortable, and that consistency builds trust, and trust builds relationships. And regardless of the decision they're considering with your company, whether it's a career move or a service purchase, that trust can aid the transaction. Now, last. But not least, recipe bloggers know that people will scroll even if they hate it. Now, I have so many clients tell me, I don't want to put all those words on my pages. People don't want to read. And I don't want them to have to scroll. Scrolling is annoying. Now, I'm not here to argue with you about how annoying scrolling is. I mean, it sucks to have to scroll to find what you want. And we already discussed that it's easier to get your page to rank if you have a lot of words. So that's a moot point too. You have to get your page to rank for people to find it. But here's the deal. You and I both know we scroll through a recipe blog to get to what we want. So people will scroll. And as they're scrolling, we have the opportunity to entice them to stop and to look at things like our beautiful photos and to draw them into the story that we're telling along the way as they scroll we have the opportunity to catch their attention again and again and entice them to read the things that we want them to read because they will do it. They will scroll. So even though you don't want to make them do it, it's more important to get your page to show up than it is to eliminate even the slightest hint of a scrolling threat. So as much as you may hate the recipe bloggers for all of their annoying tactics, now you know why they do it and it's because it works. They know that longish form Keyword rich content ranks, and that great photos sell, that you need to write accurate yet enticing titles and descriptions to get clicks, that proper markup will give you priority, and consistent formatting appeals to your viewers. And last but not least, although we don't want to admit it, they know that we will scroll to the bottom of the page, even though we hate it. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should be annoying and tell stupid, useless stories before you get to the point on the pages of your website. I'm suggesting that you take a look at the way that these recipe bloggers reeled you in and how they successfully rank their content on Google, because we can all learn a thing or two from them. And maybe if we do it right, we can get our content to rank too. Now, before I sign off, I just want to give you a quick reminder that you can get the show notes for this episode as well as a link to a nicely formatted blog post and links to any resources I mentioned at podcast.maycreate.com. And while you're there, hop on over to our resources section to see if there are any other free downloadable goodies that you can use to market your business with purpose. Thank you for your time today. I know you're busy and you've got things to do. So get out of here. Those cookies aren't going to bake themselves. Go forth and market with purpose.
1: Thanks again for listening to Marketing with Purpose. Head over to maycreate.com, M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E.com. Yeah, you heard me right, M-A-Y-E ecom for podcast notes and more resources to grow your business. Don't let your marketing suck. Get your pride on Market with Purpose.